Billabong and Space 44 presents Ain't That Swell Live! The Children of the Corn, Oz Was Dua. You! It's a core lord's paradise of debauchery, shenanigans and corn rinsing glory as me and Deadly traverse this wide brown land with surfing's maddest icons. You! Yes, we're talking vortex shamans, Himalayan ocean conquerors, spirit molecule expandoids, pineal throbbing heroes and egg jam lactating heroines at the very peak of their powers. Deadly, tell us who's downing the froth lysergic, the cosmic apricots, if you will, on this voyage into the deepest realms of wave-riding genius. Maybe the only place you'll find more ocean wisdom and saltwater synapses firing like a 1950s Tommy gun, my friend, is deep inside the swirling miasma of George Greeno's weighty and throbbing third eye, my friend. We kick things off this Thursday, that's this Thursday in a couple of days' time, even tomorrow, even today, depending on when you listen to this, uh, with Ross Clark Jones, the almighty Ross Clark Jones, the wild man of Borneo at the Avoca Beach Hotel, followed by Prince Mick Fanning, Swillian Prince, Torquay Pub, Sunday, April 10, Fanning returning to Bills, can't wait for that one. Wow. A top secret two pig special at El Grotto at Perth. Just waiting on confirmation for the guest on that one, Smivy. But it's a big one. Stay tuned. Huge announcement for WA fans. We finally get over there. None other than the GOAT, Robert Kelly Slater. He will be on hand at the beer farm, Margaret River, Sunday, April 24. Not kidding! The GOAT! And then uh, Liam O'Brien and a Challenger Series All-Stars, Smithy. The Battlers. The Battlers are coming on for a Miami Marquetta core fest, followed by Mr. Nostradamus himself, Joel Leslie, you know who knows, Parko's knows Parkinson, at the Stain Hotel. Iconic, manly, Sunday 22. More shows, more guests to be announced. We're coming in hot, Smith. ATS Live. All made possible by Billabong, the masters of mayhem and madness, the makers of Primo Surf Cron, particularly the graphene weddy. As we come into winter, the only choice is Billabong Graphene for cutting edge, comfort, warm, and flexibility for your Gucci nads and everything else. Tickets available at theswellians.com, and they're selling faster than an Italo Fiera full road of the flats. Don't miss it. Theswellians.com, ATS Live. Uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ASP gonna find me, because I wanna be a part of this fucking jump, wanna be tennis tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now, I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the whoop, drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did travel some humongous ways. Oh, that looks good, Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys, welcome to Ain't That Swell, the catastrophic Get Fucked. Ha, you kidding me, Flood Special. I'm your host, mm. the two-time Gold Cone Peace Award winning surf journalist, Scumbally's finest himself, the punch drunk Pikey, the Sultan of Psilocybin, Simini. The Sultan of Shoveling Sewerage, mate. Oh, mate, I can still smell it. It's glued to my cilia, to my nose hair. It's just a perpetual stank. Ah, <laughs> oh, mate, it's uh, terrible. I haven't been, you know, sucking down poo fumes. For this extended period of time since I went to a Catholic boys' schools and the Guid ass moustache and uh, Stink Palm was getting around. You remember them? Oh, yeah, but do remember those. Vile fucking shenanigans. But, uh, yeah, one, thank goodness. Anywho, uh, welcome to the program. The uh, former editor of Surfing World magazine, Tracks magazine, Waves magazine, the front man of the Goons of Doom, Vaughn, Rinsed Corn, Deadly, Hi. Vaughn, it was a clusterfuck of biblical proportions, mm. a filthy downpour that drowned 
fucking just about everything. Oh, my Lord. Mm. What a kind of a time it was. It was hectic, mate. And um, look, when I first left Sydney, when I was eight years old, I landed uh, at Gold Coast Airport and it had been flooding. And I, I, the first week I spent on the far north coast of New South Wales when I was eight, nine years old, uh, I got to our house and within a few days, the, the it was a two-story place with, um, you know, just like all bunch of shit kept underneath the house and then you know our place was on stilts and it was about an inch from from inundating our place and since those years Smithy uh I've seen the floods up here come and go man and uh you know Lismore in particular uh which was pretty much ground zero for the worst that we saw of this this entire disaster like that place has copped uh, hiding on on numerous occasions since it was only like a few years ago that we saw, uh, you know, a devastating flood basically ripped the heart out of the CBD. And, but this was just on a whole nother level. This was, was two and a half times bigger than that. And um, one of the worst natural disasters I've ever laid eyes on in person. I, I've never seen the carnage, the waste, just the fucking, yeah, it was, it was just so mind-meltingly uh, huge and the, the scale you really didn't get it on TV man like I mean I, I was trapped outside of the flood zone until basically the waters receded off the main arteries into Lismore and up to the north coast I was I was um, down the coast but when we first came in the cleanup had been going for two days and it was just fucking two stories of garbage as far as the eye could see it was fucking shocking man and not just garbage but garbage soaked in the most filthy fucked up water you can ever mm. imagine we're talking about a river system that has just been so heavily polluted by industrial chemicals uh, agricultural chemicals yep. countless like thousands of dead livestock raw sewage the works and it's just flooded into people's houses ruined everything and then uh, it was left up to the cleanup crews which was just civilians a fucking army of working class and middle class people Legends. taking to the streets, shovels, gloves, gum boots, wheelbarrows, ripping in. Uh, yeah, what a time to be alive. I mean, absolute misery and devastation on one hand. And then on the other, just this upwelling of community support that was unprecedented in my lifetime. Kind of, I couldn't help but thinking of the Anzacs, you know, like that was, must have been the spirit with which, you know, everyone was joining the fight and going over to, you know, uh, whether it was Gallipoli or, or the Second World War. Uh, the only difference was, you know, we weren't killing any cunts. We were just, uh, you know, doing it for sheer solidarity and compassion. Um, and what a, what a heart-opening experience it was. Uh, you know, I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd find myself in, in the middle of all that. But uh, at the same time, you know, when you've been spared of the flood and, and mm. you're all good and you're coming home to Aircon and, and watching the Portugal comp at night, um, you know, in the daytime, yeah, you just had to get out there and fucking rip in. Yeah. And rip in we did. Uh, yeah. Yourself, Louie, our sound guy, who we're going to hear from in a sec. But uh, the, the community fight back, the resilience of this Northern Rivers community, it's second to none on planet Earth as far as I've experienced. And, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time as a journalist traveling the world, documenting community uprisings. And it's, it's right up there with Tolak Reclamasi uh, in Indo and... You know, the big Basque uprisings up there in, in, in the Navarra region and, and the Basque region, um, you know, all these kind of grassroots, uh, bottom-up uh, uprisings. Um, it's an incredible thing to be a part of. And, and you, one of the things I just couldn't let go of throughout throughout the, the recovery process was, you know, just what human beings are capable of once you rip out all the chaff, once mm. you fuck the politicians off, you fuck the media off, it's a blackout. You know, we didn't have, most of us didn't have power or reception. Uh, it was just a kind of word of mouth thing, meet at this town hall, meet at that town hall. Uh, we all sacked up, went there. Um, you know, we just had punters directing us around, you know, you drive in the streets yelling out, do you need a hand? Do you need a hand? Yeah, I need a hand. Well, let's fucking go. Then you rip in. Yep. Uh, you're constantly talking to the owners. You know, it was this really delicate, uh, compassionate process. And it was done without any central hierarchy, any centralized government. Um, it was purely civilian-led and, and just done with so much love and compassion and care. And it just made me realize that why the fuck do we even answer these cunts? They do nothing. <laughs> they fucking do nothing. They're, all they are is an, an obstruction to the utopia that we could possibly build. 
Um, you know, the greatest theft of our times is, is productivity theft. Uh, billionaires just sucking up productivity into their bottom line. Mm. If that was released back to the public in the form of time, uh, we'd, we'd, we'd create a utopia within fucking a couple months, mm. you know, if we weren't just out there doing menial, pointless bullshit jobs 24-7 or fucking whatever it is. It feels like 24-7. Yeah. yeah, mate, I couldn't agree more. I thought I couldn't stop thinking about in, in the – you know, in the, the big push, the big public push to, to chip in, to rip in, was just the way that, you know, the other big event uh, of our times, recent times, the, the big disaster was COVID, right? Or, or was perpetuated to be. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. No, God, I don't know. What happened to it? Hey, where'd it go? But uh, I just couldn't stop thinking about the way that COVID, this... You know, uh, the way it divided everyone, Smithy, like the information, the disinformation, the endless fear, the way the news cycle just fucking relentlessly hammered you. Just, it was just like coming to get us all. And uh, it was perceived to be the greatest threat to fucking humanity on the planet since the Cold War, since, since real nuclear fucking, you know, paranoia was at its peak. And, and I just feel like... All that fear uh, and the policing of that fear, the policing of fucking this hypothetical scenario that might play out was so fucking tense. And we really brought out the worst in everyone. Like instead of being neighborly and looking out for people, you were po- this is my experience, you know, and, and it was a, a personal experience. You know, I, I knew people who had neighbors peeking over the fence, like fucking spying and, and drop, dropping, their, dropping them into the cops and going, they've got a visitor. They went for a fucking walk. Like, it was just fucking divisive, man. And it was, it was, you know, regardless of your thoughts on COVID, regardless of, of like how big a potential fuck up it could have been, because we are living in a world where, you know, fucking everyone's touching and traveling and all that sort of shit. But the, the fucking double down that happened when the Vax convo started coming into it, like that fucking tore lifelong friends apart, family members apart. And then... We get this fucking actual in-the-moment emergency where fucking shit is tearing people's lives, putting their lives in danger in the moment. And like you say, blackout, uh, zero media other than social media really translating how to get there, how to fucking help. And the radio, ABC radio ABC coverage radio. 24-7. It was some of the most harrowing shit you'll ever hear from, which will cop a few you know, sound Unreal. And from. Yeah, but like, how good was it that... You know, there was no intervention from the government. I mean, that wasn't good. That was fucking disgraceful. No, but it was but, a great lesson for the people of, of, of the power that is uh, within our hands yeah. and hearts so and we, minds. So we had no fucking, like, you know, uh, no news story breaking because it all happened in the blink of an eye. It fucking came down in a rush. Uh, no help from the government. But people sensing a fucking necessity, mate, were just initiative-driven. It just fed into them. And they got in their tinnies, they fucking got in their cars, they got out there, and right from the word go, Smith, when the boats were needed, before the cleanup started, when the boats were needed to save lives, fucking crew were turning up from everywhere in the dark on the night of the flood. The tinny Ready to fucking go. Woo! And like Lennox Head, mate, I, I think fucking there was an armada just of fucking boats heading out there in the dark, ready to save lives before the fucking floodwaters had peaked, you know, before the levees had broken. And where would we be right now without these people not waiting around for a fucking thumbs up from oh. Scummo or fucking any fucking of the other fucking hashtag Scummo pretenders? Um, and you know, fuck man, like look, look at where they all came from. They came from everywhere when it mattered most to save lives, and then they fucking backed up by being there when the real heartbreaking shit needed to be done, like the cleaning out. Pulling cows out of trees, pulling fucking lifelong possessions, or you know the, the the story of people's lives, as you said, is in and amongst where they make their home, regardless of what they own. It's all there, and people were fucking there to help with the cleanup, no matter what was going on. And mate, that's the kind of community I want to be a part of. Not this fucking peeking over the fence, dobbing in your neighbour, dobbing in your brothers nah. and sisters. And it's a good point that you make for them because. 
the main method of control, I want everyone listening to this to fully fucking comprehend this. The main method of control that the government, that this centralized horseshit of a system has over you is to keep you divided. By dividing you, they conquer you and control you. It's all about division. The first thing that the government did on the backside of these floods was to fucking draw a line straight through the middle of us and say, you can't get more money, you people don't. That's This is what they do. The media... And government, they just they they live and exist. They they are parasites on the face of humanity, and they they do this. They achieve this by s- separating us because they know that uh, you know the people united will never be defeated. Like the, these old school sayings, they exist for a reason. And um, you know, just don't let them divide us ever again. Like fuck, mate, I would rather fucking die than be locked up in my house again um, or, or separated from my community. Like I'll, I'll fucking mate, you know. Fuck those cunts in, in whatever coloured fucking uniform they come in. Mm. They can suck my smeggy lower class cock because I'm fucking. <laughs> I'm just. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be divided along lines of colour or class or fucking anything, man. Uh, the the community spirit that I felt up here was just. Uh, you know, it was, it was too much to let go of. I don't want it ever to stop. And it, to me, it was just a reminder of uh, mm. just how little fucking value these cunts add to society. Uh, nothing. Anyway, but um, yeah, don't let them tear us apart. They'll never tear us apart. <laughs> the people united will never be defeated. Solidarity always endeavor. Uh, but yeah, Vaughn, let's take... Uh, I had a chat to Parker. You mm. know, must have been day two of what was a four-day fucking jet ski bend of him whipping around uh, the Tweed River and its tributaries, plucking people off roofs and... Saving lives and uh, you know rushing food and water out to stranded people, and I know he's you know he's come up come under a bit of fire since then for a, a, a viral kind of TikTok video where he's given a couple of grommets a spray for sliding down a fucking muddy hill or something, and you're probably thinking, uh, oh you know here's your chance to fucking have your opinion or your hot take on Parko's mm. spray, and mate, I don't know, I, I'm just not that kind of person. I don't really give a fuck about uh, neurotic little moments of uh, you know neurochemical flare-ups. The guy had just spent spent four days fizzing around on a jet ski, uh, you know, come home after one day to find his house robbed and his car stolen while his family was asleep. I, I can't even fathom the physiological distress that he would have been in after just prolonged stress and fucking, you know, whatever that feels like to do that. I, I can't really put myself in those shoes. Um, yeah. Old man gives Groms a spray. Not really the uh, crime <laughs> the or scoop of the century. Uh, right. So I'm just going to let that one be. And um, yeah, let's just hear from Parker what he had to say, his experience of the whole saga. Mate, talk us through what you saw today. Oh, today was sweet, man. Today was good. It was just all like help. Um, it's kind of just helping people, you know, um, checking up. Yesterday was fucking tab. Really? What, yeah. what happened? Oh, because I don't know. I just was like, we we're talking about a friend, a friend of mine, a friend of my my wife's. Um, her mum was like with a dog down at Wollongong, flooded in, couldn't get out. And I was like, do you want me to go get her? Do you want me to go get her? There's like 10 o'clock thing, and you know, the, the mere for our meteorology saying, you know, make 10 15 mils on the Sunday, not 840. True. And, something like, and I said, well, let me go get her. I'll grab her on the ski. You know, I was sitting at home Sunday. I was like, I'm sitting in the rain doing nothing. I'll put a wedding on and go down and grab her. Anyway, and then I was like, look, I think I'm just going to go. I got down there. It was just like, I got to Tobolga and I couldn't get, she wouldn't come on the ski anyway. And then I got to, um, I got to Tobolga and it was just so hectic. It was, that town of Tobolga has the, has, the two rivers that meet. Wow. Well, one's a creek, but it's a fucking big creek, and it just was decimated, mate. It was just, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced. It was, it was the, the previous highest flood. This was a, another 1,500 higher, like a metre and a half higher. It was, every house was completely inundated. Um, there was maybe half the town that had saved second stories that were, that second story of the thing was okay, and, the other half had it was under the second stories, and mate, we just got there. Uh, when we got there, there wasn't too many people there. It was just like it was one lady on a boat helping out, but her boat was a real weak boat and could only kind of get up to where she couldn't get around the full part of the flood. 
because the current was raging too hard, and then we just started from the houses at the top. My mate, my mate, Arpy Robbins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Celeste Barber's husband. Yeah, yeah. Mate, a more fucking champion bloke, like an absolute, one of the greatest of humans. Was just amazing, just house to house. Hello. First, yeah, two. Hello. I was just like, no one's in this house. I thought it was a low-set house. It was a double-story house. We were over there whole car art cars and everything we didn't realize and then a four-year-old boy opens the fucking door in his eye jacket like let's go you know there was there was full on wow holy smokes it's one to the next to the next to the next and to the next and then we finished in Tobolgan the SES come in about we got in there about one say one thirty. the SES were about then four thirty-five ish and then there was Barge and other locals and a few other people really helping and, and it kind of come good. Everyone started to get to safety. We're just dropping them on the bridge or the one or two houses that were definitely going to um, stay dry at the top. Wow. Well, what caught you off guard about the whole situation? Mate, you know, I said straight to the RP when I was driving in. When I drive, I'll send you this video. I'm shooting this video and I'm like, check this house. And then I go, holy fuck. It's... It's not a low set house. I thought I was in two foot of water. I'm in fucking 12, 15 foot of water here, and it is raging. I thought I was in two foot of water. I would just jump off and pop my feet down and walk up to this house. Like, a, like, like I never expected the Tweed River. I've seen it do its thing. I didn't know it had that in it. Eh? I just was, I, I don't even know if I can look at the whole show. I just didn't know it was that possible for it to be that wild and like like a you know i always thought you have your water you just think you feel like you, you, i kind of feel confident i know that water but that one i just went i never seen it like that fuck man yeah yeah it's biblical shit eh? like you just kind of times like this you feel like an ant you just feel so helpless and then mate i did and i just my wife goes just go and i was like i've got my rescue here like oh you know i had lights and everything and then, mate, and then the day, and I said to Arpy at like 4.35, I'm like, it's raining still, it's fuck, we, we should get back to the boat ramp because we're on jet skis, I've got a headlamp, he had a torch, like, we can't be, there's cows floating down and logs that are solid, tree logs floating down the river, we can't run into one of them at night on jet ski. Wow, so dangerous, man. How long are we out there all up, you reckon? And next thing you know, I'm, it's like we're, we're in Tobolgan and then we, we felt like Tobolgan was pretty good. I mean, I haven't got to Mullumbar or Condong, or any other little towns. I just, and, and Tobolgans, I've always loved that little town, and there's some good people in that town. And I just fucking went to, we, then we went downstream, and then we come across this big thing of cows, and we tried to herd cows over to a side with these couple of calves and stuff, and then um, and then I was like, well, that's, well, we probably should check on Chindra before it gets dark on the way home. And got into Chindi, and it was just chaotic, mate. There was these three, three full caravan parks and retirement village, and ESES were there, and they were like, "Go there, go to that address, go to this address." And then they, in the dark, they gave us lights and just pointed and shooting us, filled us up with fuel, and just kept, we just kept going until about eleven o'clock. We checked the last park, and there's people that didn't want to leave, which was a bit hard to, to um. There's one guy in his car that I was like, oh, I. If, if it comes up half a metre, mate, this guy in his car, he's not going to make it. And he wouldn't leave his car. And I just, I've been going for a while. And I was like, mate, if you don't leave, I'm not coming back to get your body. <laughs> I was like, really pretty ruthless. I was like, you, you, you're going to have your car because you don't want to leave your car. And I just drove away from him and went to the next one who was more willing. Wow. No way. That's so crazy. I can't believe... Just the unwillingness to leave, like, I, I don't really understand it. Yeah, the Chindra one, man, it was just, and there's some beautiful old people, and, mate, and like, every credit to the SES, like, the SES are amazing. I want to be an SES person. Like, I'm going to, like, join it after that. They were so good, but they just don't have the resources, like, and I know it was a one in a 500-year one, and, and there's no point, but... You know, I guess their resources are volunteers after that. And if they, they were amazing. The way they directed everyone around, 
you know, accommodation, do this, do that. Just keep dropping them back here. Go down that way. Is there anyone in that park? No, and everyone work together. Is anyone there? Anyone there? Just keep going. You know, there's those humans last night that they were so great. Wow, man. Far out. How, how long were you out there all up? Um, I left it at uh, I left my house at 11.30 and I got home at 11.45. No night. way. Fuck, man. And I walked into my freaking house and it would have been robbed that my wife's car had been stolen. No way. No shit. No. Gone. Couldn't believe kids, my wife and kids are sleeping in the house. They come in, robbed it, robbed the fucking house and stole my car. What is this car? No. Yeah, mate. I don't, you know what, they would be laughing about it all day. Just going, and I just watch families. Like, one guy with his missus that was pregnant and about to have a baby who'd just been, like, four kids or whatever, just a legend of a bloke. He's having his, you know, he would have been getting everything sorted for his fourth kid, has lost everything. Yeah. And I just went, mate, it's not a, no, mate, for me, I'm, Losing a car, whatever. Yeah, it's a wild story, isn't it? And uh, mm. it only gets wilder when you start. You know, everyone had a story. Everyone, like the thousands, the hundreds, whatever it was, the amount of people I worked alongside, the people I helped. Uh, every single one of them had some fucked up tale of survival, either first hand or second hand. Um, we're going to hear a few of them now. Uh, I know Noah Dean was uh, cut off for six days up there at Main Arm. Uh, watched his his Shetland pony die mm. uh, in front of him. You know, had no food, no water. Uh, probably thought he was going to die. Uh, we might try and get a hold of him. I'm not guaranteed. No one's heard from him in a while. I mm. imagine he's just fucking turbo rattled. Mm. Now let's hear from one of the thousands of faceless heroes in the Tinny Army, Toby Cregan. Ain't that swell's very own. Trying to get some supplies up to Deany because he's stuck up there up in Main Arm. Fuck. I didn't realise you. No way. I thought he was fucking down the coast. Nah, he's up at his place and um, he's there fucking running out of food and shit. So me and, me and Bugger going to go and see what we can do now to see if we can get it. Like, because the, there's no the, no roads. We're hoping there's someone on the other side that can take it the rest of the way. But, like, can't do it in the dark. So I think we're going to. If not, we'll just go first thing, and I reckon we'd be able to like just paddle up there or something, because it's like probably I don't know, ten, five or ten k's. I'm not really sure exactly how far it is from where where the road's blown out. So, but and we could just walk up some crap. It's heavy with his, and we got to get horse food for him too. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, some fucking um. I don't know. It's not clear because the communication's been real hard, but like. He just they just say they need better Dean and shit like oh my god I hope they're not hurt. Fucking hell, man! You shit me. That's loose. That's really bad. Yeah, yeah, I know. But at least like we know that they're safe and shit. It's like not even SES and that are really up there yet because they go on boats and shit. So, I, but I feel like by tomorrow, if we can't do it right now, we'll be able to like go just like walk around people's properties and find, you know. Has some waterproof bags and shit, and just at least get him some food. Oh, Blake, his mate that was with, sent me a big picture of a fucking huge yabby that they caught, and that's what they've been fucking living off. Get out. Nah, bro. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. That's fucking so fucked up. What? What? Can you tell us um, what was going down in Mullins? I, 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 what's your yeah. stories, man? What was going down? Oh, so much crazy shit. Like, oh, well, like, no, well, yeah, it was like, you know, it wasn't Russian pastel crazy, but, um. <laughs> I mean, I was just driving around on my tinny, picking up all the mainly oldies and whoever wanted to. I'd just drop them into town, like near near the, near the petty station there, and then they, everyone was going to the aria or, or the pub. There was the craziest thing that happened was the horse. There was horses were drowning, like you know, as you come into town on the left there, there's those horse, the, there's like a horse place. Oh yeah, man, no way. Whole fucking horses were like drowning there, and I was with um me, like it was like I I swear, I think I was the first person to put a boat in, you know, like I just wow. pushed it off onto the road, and then I was like I was basically cruising around. This is before I. I don't know, I don't know, it's just like, look, and I'm like, holy fuck, like, that was the first thing I seen was the horses were, were drowning, then there was this, like, legendary horse lady who was on a kayak, and she called us over, and I was like, she just commandeered my teeny, she got on it, and she was like, we, like, she's just telling me exactly where to go to, like, try and round the horses up to get them to higher ground, because they were drowning, it was so sad, wow. it was to watch, and then one of them got caught in the electric fence, and I couldn't find my knife, and um, she's like, you have a knife, you have a knife, you know, like, 
just like horse hero and then I was, I was like no she, she jumps in I'm pretty sure the fence was still alive too jumps in and just starts fucking um like like the horse is in the fucking water it's drowning she's like she's trying to get its head above water and she's trying to grab its feet while it's like barking and stuff to get it untangled from the electric fence the most, it's the most gangster fucking thing I've ever seen it was gnarly and then she got it free and then it, and then and then we rounded it up and then it just like as quick as that, and then it like got up to higher ground, and then it looked like it was gonna be sweet. She was worried that they were gonna die because they'd already eaten too much, but uh, water. But I think then later when I was dropping someone up, uh, up there, uh, I seen them, so I'm pretty sure that like at least a few of them were sweet. But what like um, I mean, is your joint okay? Mm, my my joint inside was sweet, but all like my shed and everything's fucked. Us, there's been heaps of more heaps of other like I've just been trying to figure out how to get up to Deeney, but yeah, like all my cars and shit or like me Kel's car got broken uh like uh just flooded everything was under the water it just it was about a, a couple of uh, 30, 30 centimeter maybe like 15 centimeters from coming in it was right there and I was so tired like just watching it I was just like fuck it's... but we were safe because I had the tinny so we could just jump straight in it and pin, pin it down the street if we needed so I didn't feel too worried but and what's going on in the town now? How's everyone coping right now that you've been speaking to? Um, the pub's shut. Uh, everyone's just been cleaning up. Well, uh, RDA's open. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just waiting for Kaz to get here, and then we're going to try and see how far we can get up to Main Arm, or if we can get it, the stuff like the horse feed and that over to Noah. Noah for for Larry David, there are the horse. I can't believe they run out of food, but, they, but this was, they've been stuck there since Thursday. Yeah, yeah, man. Fucking Main Arm got cut so early. That Like, that happened before they even warned about flash flooding. Main Arm was already cut off. Oh, yeah, way before. Yeah, it was like, fuck. So skits, dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with um getting the nose, hopefully. Fucking, yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, that's man. rattling. Best of luck. I know. Nah, if we don't if we don't see him tonight, we're def- I'm definitely gonna tr- make it up there tomorrow. So the SES and stuff know that they're there as well, yeah. but they don't know how to get there. They're thinking of like helicopters or whatever. But man, I was listening on the radio. Like some of the situations people are in. Like there was this bloke with his he's in a tinny strapped to his roof, and he's fucking in there with his disabled son and. Um, and his seventy eight year old landlord with emphysema, and they just like. They can't get picked up. They they spent like all night in the rain outside, yeah. and they can't get picked up. So I guess that kind of gives you an idea of um, just the priority listing that they're dealing with. So I reckon yeah. no, well, no's... Sure. That's, that was like yesterday when you, like I know where all the oldies like especially around my area live. Like you just I just keep going and checking on them as it was rising, you know. Because mm. they're like, oh no, not right now. But I'm pulling my tinny up to their front fucking doorsteps, you know, which is usually like which is fucking chest high. Wow. And I'm jumping straight up, knocking on them. I'm like, you want to go? Poor old mate down the road. It's just like, oh, maybe not yet. And then. It's kind of, and then I was like, fuck, I'm looking at it's like up to his knees and fuck, dude. Yeah. Why, why, why didn't they want to leave, do you reckon? That guy, I don't know. I don't know. I would have been a shit show down the, the club and that as well. I think I get it. Like, but I, just for the oldies, I would recommend getting out to show up. What's the reason to stay? Like, there's nothing you can do. It's not yeah, like it's not like fire, like where you can fucking do. Yeah. You could potentially put it yeah. out. No, that's a that's a real good point. I don't know. I think dude, dude down the road is just even the lady though. A lot of them just don't want to go. I guess they just feel safest at home. These are old people that live on their own. And done, but I just keep going and checking on them. And then they ended at SES come there. Like, you should go. And then they know that they, if they get scared, they get a bit like for sure would leave. But heaps of people, heaps of people didn't really want to didn't want to go. Oh, good on you, man. You, sounds like you did an, an incredible job with um fucking taking care of your people. It's amazing. No, I was, it wasn't. Like, it was like anyone who had a tinny would it was more, you know, pretty much doing the same thing. So it's nothing special. But, yeah, thanks. No, nah, man. Good on you, brother. Fucking proud of you. That's massive. You know, no one really knew what was going to happen. It had such an apocalyptic feel to it. You didn't know whether you're going to come out of it alive or not. All right, we're going to hear from Bunga Walburn resident Mark O'Toole and one of the most harrowing stories of survival I heard during the floods. Um, I ripped this from ABC Radio as I was listening. 
So, uh, yeah, full credit to ABC North Coast Radio. They did an incredible job. They saved lives. It was like a... Listening to that radio channel was like listening to um, kind of like a having you, you know, being tapped into the police radio, like uh, the, having a scanner or something. It was that fucking skits, the calls they were fielding and the, the emergency information they were passing along. Anyway, this is Marco Tool. Well, it started rising really on Thursday, and by the time it had started to rise, the, um, it had broken down the road. We couldn't get out, so we were stuck, and then we just watched it come up from inland way first, come up come to the house and then the rivers broke the banks and yeah within probably about well, four or five hours it was yeah, nearly up to the roof so when the water started rising mark what did you do yep um well we because we got a tinny here a boat here so i got all that ready um tried to get as much off the verandas and in the house get everything up as high as we could not thinking it was going to come to the height it has but yeah now it's just yeah it's gone right through the whole house now I think a window's burst and all our belongings are going down the river at the moment. So how did you come to have your elderly neighbour with you? Um, no, she's the actual the owner of the property. Oh, sorry. So um, yeah, no, she's there, there's a there's a couple there's three houses on this property and she rang me. Um, no, sorry, her, her sister-in-law rang me on yeah, Friday morning and said that she was stuck up there, so I waded up there. It wasn't too deep at that time. You know, it was a bit stressful coming back through the current, but I got her back to the house here, and then, yeah, we basically were stuck on the veranda and watched it slowly come up until a point where um, we had to get out about, uh, I don't know, about one, about, what time do you think? Yeah, so say about 4.30, 5 o'clock, but it, it rose up till it was too deep in the house, so... Hopped into the tinny, we've got had all rubs set up, so we're just hanging off the front of the house now. We stayed under the veranda on the tinny until it got up too high, and then we're out under the veranda. We're out there, like last night, we just spent the night in the rain. I'm on the tinny out, and I've got a, got me kids, cat and dogs, and pet rats, and everything in the tinny with us. So there are three houses on the property and yep. you helped your, your neighbour from her house to the house that yep. you're renting and it's the yep. higher of the three. Yeah, it's the higher of the three. And then her brother in the other house, well, they went under yesterday afternoon as well, but they've got a houseboat, they're sitting in their houseboat. But he's got breathing difficulties, he's got his emphysema, so he's been having troubles. Um, it's just him and his wife down there, we can't get to them because they're cars. Yeah, so they're, they're trapped down there in the houseboat. We're up here in the tinny, sitting out now in the sun all day today. We had a helicopter come in last night. There was an army helicopter, just on dark. He came in and he come down, he, he hung the line out. Then he must have looked at it and that and decided no, and he took off. So it's a place we've got to be in rescued. So the three of you and, and the pets have spent a, a cold, wet night in a tinny tied to the roof yeah. of your house. Yeah, yeah, and like the owner of the property, she needs uh, medication. Um, so, yeah, um, we can't, her place is completely under. We don't even know if her place is still there at the moment. There are... Cars, um, I can see the aerial of my Land Cruiser, her cars... You know, the shed's under, so yeah. And the brother's car, he's is under. What's so been the most difficult... Basically. Pardon me. What's been the di most difficult part of this experience, Mark? Um, watching my stuff float past me like I am now. Watching all my kids and my possessions float past us. Losing everything and stuck here. Can't get out. Yeah. Lucky my kids are in town on Thursday, I thought, you know, wasn't sure, but near rain was coming up and I had work on Friday and I said, oh, look, we mightn't get out of our road, you better stay in town. So, luckily they both stayed in town. So, Which town? People don't worry about. They're in Lismore. And, and unable to reach you, of course, to help, as, it, as uh, the yeah, SES no, aren't. My been on the phone. Yeah, my daughter's been on the phone flat out with the CES. Um, the ambulance, Jane Ambulance Service. Um, I think that was all, but she's been on the phone consistently with them, shows me dad. Yeah, we've got numerous people ringing in that for us, and yeah, apparently we're on the high priority list. But yeah, there's no helicopter coming out now. This will be the fourth one today. It's come out our road. 
but yeah, they they must be. I don't know. They're going down the way down the other end of the road. They're not. Uh, they're not up this way. They're just going flying high past us and high past us back up about half an hour, forty minutes. Do you feel like your property's visible from the air? Oh yeah, plus we would have got we would have got um, um, satellite. I mean, we would have got um, when the uh, sorry the army helicopter was here last night. Like they would have pinpointed us where we were. They seen us, but, you know. I was in a bright yellow jacket waving at them, and they were looking at us. They were hovering right there, looking at us. They knew where we were. So they were first hovering near me car because they could see the roof of my car. Then they came around the other side of the house, and I'm standing there waving at them. Like I said, he pulled the line out to drop it and then he decided not to. Maybe because the aerial on our roof, I'm not sure. We're in a tinny, we, we, you know, like, you know, we were just waiting to see what he wanted us to do, whether he wanted us on the roof or I had, I've got enough line to get out in the clear, in the tinny and sit there if he wanted us there, but no one spoke to us, so we didn't know what we had to do and yeah, he just left. The tinny itself, that wasn't sufficient to get you to anywhere safe, I take it? No, no, the current's too strong. We've only got a 20 horsepower on the back of it. I would not. Yeah, I would not risk it. We're not risk it with um, Leanne or, or his son, you know, because they're both not very good at the swimming, so. And you said your son has a disability. Is he coping okay? Yeah, he's very stressed. Very stressed. But, yeah, no, he's okay, but, but he's very stressed, yeah. Leanne, like she got in trouble, she's been having trouble breathing this morning. She hasn't got her asthma up around that. So we haven't eaten for a day and a half. So, yeah. And no water, we've got no water. No. No. And have you been able to speak to anyone from the SES or has it mostly been family relaying the message for um, you? I've, I've had the police call me from Lismore Police and I've had the, um, the ambulance service call me. But like they said today, they said, Mark, look, you're, you're on a priority list. We've got a helicopter over the top of us now. Are you waving? Yep, it's a police helicopter. But um, we've... Um, and they've just, yeah, he's turning around, so I don't know what he's doing. Ah, oh, he's saying it's, yep. Yeah, he's hovering around us now, so I'll see if he's going to get us. Can you stay with I us? Get off. Oh, you better get off. Um, well, I'm going to have to put the boat out. Um, hang on, I'll try, but I'm going to have to see if they want me to, where they want me to go. That's, that's one thing that, you know, it's, it's, like I said, driving into the Lismore for the first time, it just was so shocking, the scale of what was going on. And, and when you started helping crew out, when you started going into houses and seeing, you know, just what they'd lost, the mental fucking, oh, mate, the pit you got to climb out of, you know, like I guess some people have the capacity to sort of like lean more towards like, well, here's what I can take out of this and, and this is what I can be grateful for. But for other people, maybe – like it hasn't been that easy, mate, and it's gonna be a fucking long haul to get back to a place of feeling gratitude or hope. Um, that's the level of devastation we're dealing with, mate. Like, um, it's it's not just about losing your stuff or your animals or or whatever. It, it's affecting sort of like your your place in the world when nature can sort of like just capitulate on you like this. Like this sort of trauma, Smith, it's it's not something you just rinse off or get to the end of and go, sweet, you know, I'm alive, the kids are alive, this is all good. This is like decisions that you're making in split sections that could haunt you forever. Mm. And uh, I think one of the big takeaways for me from this whole catastrophe is that, you know, it might seem like it affects people equally, but in reality, in this part of the world, Low lying equals low socioeconomic. Mm. Like the poorest parts of the northern rivers are all on floodplains and low lying areas. Uh, you know, Lismore is a classic example. Wardell is a classic example. Broadwater, Woodburn, uh, you know, parts of Mwollombar. Um, you know, Mullum to a lesser extent. I, I didn't even know Mullum really could flood like that. And I don't think anyone realized that it could. Um, but generally, the people most affected by this are the least equipped to rebuild their lives. Like that Lismore zone, like I covered the 2017 flood in Lismore for Vice. And mm. one of the things I learned from that was that everyone living in that floodplain is on a fucking, is on welfare of some description, either a disability pension, they're, they're a full-time carer for their disabled, um, you know, child, you, like often uh, single parents, drug addicts, unemployed, uh, huge homelessness population, refugees, indigenous. Like it is a, 
a, a kind of mosaic of society's most vulnerable people. And of course, capitalism, the way it works, it, it's going to put those people in, a situ- in the, the hardest possible situation to thrive and uh, prosper which is on a fucking floodplain mm. that floods, you know, so they say every 20 years, but it turns out it's like probably more like every five years. Um, the, the 2017 one, like, to be honest, I couldn't really tell the difference that much between 2017 and this one in Lismore. Like the only difference was for me that um, it affected everywhere else. It gave everywhere else a taste of what Lismore goes through quite consistently. Um, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the the height difference, I think it was 11.9 metres uh, in 2017, which was the second biggest on record. And this one was like 14.9 metres. Uh, so, which, yeah. Which, made, which makes the, the comments of fucking Shane Stone, the coordinator general of the National Recovery and Resilience Agency. This is the guy getting paid six figures to fucking manage disasters in this country. To be a parasite. To preempt, to, <laughs> to spend the money to help, you know, a or at least minimise the damage created by these disasters. And he says, oh, what, if you're going to build on a floodplain, if you're going to fucking, you know, build in the gum trees, what do you expect? Like, fucking, that is the greatest fucking ignorance of all time. It's not ignorance. That's a that's a deliberate fallacy yeah. uh, used to demonise the poor. Like, the reason people... <laughs> it's fucking outrageous the that, reason that people, doing that. The reason people live on floodplains is because they can't fucking afford anywhere else. Uh, I don't know if he's paid yeah. attention to the housing market, but, you know, I spoke to – these are my friends. They live in Murbar and shit. And, yeah, of course, they're fucking coming in at the bottom of a, a housing market that's been booming for, I don't know, 20, It's not just six years. figures either, mate. It's, it's, it's half a million. It's like, you know, 617000 bucks or something a year. Fucking grub, To manage man. something that he's blaming everyone else for, straight off the bat, first day after the floods. Like You know, I, I think of places like um, – you know, some of the, the worst affected place up here, Cabbage Tree Island, an Aboriginal mission around the corner from me, probably the lowest lying place in the entire Northern Rivers. Mm. Uh, it was the, the very last for the water to recede from, probably the first to go under once the, the water started, started coming down from Lismore. Um, they've, I just read they've condemned the whole joint, so you're going to knock the whole joint down. Like, how's the irony? Like, you fucking, missions aren't set up by Aboriginal people. Mm. They're set up by murderous white cunts from fucking 200 years ago who rounded them up off their traditional lands and put them on the fucking island in the middle of a river that floods all the time. Mm. And, uh, and now they're fucked. Like, they didn't even choose to live there. They were forcibly rounded up and put there. And, um, I mean, the people that buy in at the bottom end of the housing housing market they're not much better like they're forced to live in those joints i'm sure they'd all be living on fucking ridge lines in mansions if they could but that's just not the way capitalism works um so this yeah this guy's just a fucking grub and i you know i'm at the point now where you know having worked as a journalist for 10 plus years i i'm so jaded by the media and politics i just don't even fucking pay attention to it anymore and my whole methodology moving forward is just bottom up just grassroots you know let's get the town halls activated let's get workers clubs uh going on at the town halls and let's just see what we can create as a people let's um yeah take the time and productivity back from the fucking parasitic thieves and Mm. start putting it into our communities well, mate, the, uh, you know, the, the number one uh, organisation that I sort of tapped into when I finally got over the highway and up here to sort of chip in was um, the, the sort of food drop-off and depot at Koori Mail in Lismore, which um, Naomi Moran and her team were running. And it was a centre of fucking can-do froth, mate. Like, it was on for young and old. They were just in there up to their fucking earlobes in just fucking positivity and directing teams around, getting in the food, getting it to where it needed to be. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of that around, but it was just driven 100% by, you know, this fucking incredible organization that had just been fucking completely rinsed in the flood as well. They lost their office. Um, but day one, you know, they went straight in there as soon as the flood levels receded basically cleared out the entire joint like underneath the car park there and everything that's that's proper shoveling hosing getting rid of fucking tons of mud to make that you know the number one point for everyone who wanted to chip in get busy with the cleanup so uh, that was an awesome thing to be a part of man yeah yeah another another of the big lessons from this whole saga was just what it feels like 
to contribute service over self. You know, that's Tulsi Gabbard's running slogan. Mm. Like, she's fucking onto it. To be of service to other people, like, uh, it, it does something to your heart and mind. I spoke to a lot of people, say, who, who weren't directly affected by the floods, who joined the relief effort. Um, people from all walks of life. Oh, they came from everywhere. There was yeah. crude, like, we, we had uh, some on some of the teams, you know, um, sorry to drop in this movie, but... You know, uh, I remember myself and Ronnie, we were driving down towards uh, Broadwater one day. We just stopped at a house because there was an old fella just by himself walking around, kind of looking a little bit lost. And uh, we just pulled over and said, do you need a hand, mate? And within sort of, you know, I'm talking two minutes of us pulling over. There was probably 15 cars, people in in boots, shovels at the ready, just all perfect strangers and as you started talking and saying g'day, they're like, yeah, I just drove up from Coffs. I was down from the sunny coast. Like, oh, mate, I, people I, were fucking just on in convoy, ready to go, mate. Mate, one day you're hoiking a fucking soggy, soiled mattress out a window of a bikey from the Tweed. The next day you're ripping up a floor of a bunch of Byron hipsters. It was <laughs> every, and, every, and everything in between. Oh, mate. What, that, that, well, that house, the old fella, he, uh, you know, I, I jump on the end of this soggy fucking carpet that's just honestly fucking... Oh, God. God knows how much fucking toxic waste had just been deposited on the thing. And I look up the other end and there's fucking Pat Rafter, two-time Grand Slam winner. <laughs> I'm just going, this is fucking amazing, man. Like, And, and you know, the coordination, uh, they, there was little hubs around, but if you couldn't get to one or you didn't know where they were, you were just fucking seeing people stop and just jumping out of their car and going, let's go. Mm. Uh, it was just fucking incredible, eh? Yeah, and that feeling, uh, you know – it almost feels a bit selfish and in bad taste to say it, but that feeling of helping other people was the best I've felt mentally in, in years. And mm. I heard that from numerous people. And I think the message there is, you know, as it's been scrawled in countless ancient scriptures and creeds and books, it's, it is all about helping others. It, you know, it's almost like our culture here in the West, this like capitalist fucking colonialist culture. It's almost criminalized or, or created a certain amount of shame around being compassionate and it's almost kind of made it seem a bit cheesy and weird to like want to partake in um you know ancient acts of selflessness and service um and, and this this whole saga just fuck it just put me on track i'm like this is where i want to be i, I don't mm. want to leave this and it fully reframed surfing for me too i went surfing i think like on day two of the flood maybe uh, i got evacuated and it was cooking so i just thought ah, oh, you know fuck there's not much i can do i may as well go for a surf and you know packed you know made a, a deep four foot tube and i felt nothing mm. i felt no joy whatsoever i don't know if it was guilt or just just a sheer boredom mm. with, with, with surfing uh, compared to the, the days that followed. I was like exhilarated. I was overjoyed. Um, and, and it was all powered by community camaraderie, goodwill. You know, I was, I was choking back tears constantly watching mates, people I f- had never met before absolutely rip in on someone else's behalf. You know, you, you, you're meeting the owners of these homes, poor people, uh, working class people, elderly people, middle class people. Uh, I mean, generally it was poor people in the areas I was working in, like Wardell, Broadwater, Woodburn, Lismore. Mm. Uh, and they're just, you know, overwhelmed with gratitude and, and thanks. And, and, and you're saying to them, you know, no, it's my pleasure. Like this is mm. no skin off my nose to do this. Um, that whole process was so fucking earth shattering for me. It, it completely shattered my paradigm, created a, a whole new appreciation of what good living is. Mm. And I think it really revolves around service to others and service to your community. It's old school logic, but yeah, it fucking. I know. It, it and just, I mean, it's, it's slightly ironic, Smithy, that, you know, after days of shoveling shit and, uh, you know, and getting into it up to your fucking, just till you're, you're broken and you're busted and you're sore and you think, oh, I'll just have a quick rinse. You know, I've finally done four days and you, you, you bust your knee, you blow your knee out because you're fucking that tired or you get gastro because you've just been swallowing gallons of yeah. sewerage or chemicals real. with every duck dive. And, yep. you know, I, I think that uh, I, I was not begrudging anyone having a surf like for, for after all that stuff, but I was still worried about people getting out there because I was uh, even – um. You know, I fucked my back uh, after a couple of days of, of on the shovel. Just goes to show how fucking much I've got to get back on the shovel, Smith. Hey, eh? hey. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but mate, um, I, I went to uh, you know get a treatment, and and the the guy who looked after me, um, 
was just saying, mate, it's an endless line of people coming in. They've busted themselves helping out and they're broken. And, um, yeah, I just think even that was uh, sort of a telltale of just how far people were willing to go to chip in. Totally. I rocked up in Lismore, uh, you know. In, in Bit a, of a short straw getting gastro after fucking shoveling oh, shit for five days. I reckon. E. coli, there's heavy blood infections. Uh, what's it called? Sepsis, all kinds of shit. I rocked up in Lismore day one of helping out. The first fucking head I see is Matt Wilkinson, the former world number one, mm. covered in fucking shit. And... Um, <laughs> And I, 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 you know, I just filled up with shame immediately, not at the sight of him, but just, you know, I was in clean clothes. I hadn't ripped in yet. And I, you know, my mate Clinker, he's, he, he goes, you know, we got a fucking soiled mattress here and I'm like, fucking oh, let me at it. Let's rip in. And I just, you know, fucking, I felt like a, you know, the winger who's come off the bench mm. or the, the, the guy in the <laughs> yeah. clean strip. I wanted an early involvement. So I just went for the biggest, heaviest thing I could find and yeah, did my back instantly. Yeah. But, uh, just to you know it's ironic isn't it like we spend so much of our time as surfers you know praying for a good cyclone season and you know these cyclones fucking wipe Vanuatu and Fiji mm. off the map regularly and we all kind of make these cheeky little guffaws like oh bad luck for them but fuck the waves are cooking mm. and we, we do this every year and we finally kind of got what we were asking for uh, in, in terms of like just the mother of all ACLs just right in our head flooded us to fuck and the waves the waves were cooking mm. like while all this was going on it was maybe one of the best weeks of back-to-back waves mm. like on record in the region like i'm talking you know misto river mouths looking like that dear suburbia japanese yeah. fucking uh you know river mouth set up like 10 to 12 foot yeah cannoning spit um you know i heard uh solly bailey getting a four barrels on a wave at one of the points around here during it and just like crazy cooking waves but yeah the water soiled to the point that you would get you were uh, Huge risk of getting gastro from E. coli. Um, any little nick was likely yeah. to get a serious infection. Pink then, eye, Smithy. Pink eye. That pink was a big eye. one going around. I got pink eye during this. Uh, and also just fucking sharks. Like just uh, thousands of dead livestock sitting at the bottom of the ocean creating this uh, feeding frenzy, particularly for bull sharks, which were flushed out by mm. all the fresh water and inhabiting that, that brackish water. So the waves, the surf was just a no-go there, there was sharks, there was bull sharks, and there was bulls. A couple of cows made it down these fucking swollen, rapidy river systems, swept out through these fucking, like, mondo-swelled, probably seen the inside of a few. I mean, not many cows would have seen the inside of the cone zone, but, mate, no. I reckon a few of them got some vish as I was going out through these river mouths, washed around into onto the beaches. A, a, a bull washed up or a cow washed up on into D-Bar. Yeah, it was just walking around the walking streets Walking around the streets of D-Bar to hate a gold chain and a fucking V8 <laughs> Commodore doing burnouts <laughs> in the car park a la Paco. Um, but there was also one uh, on the rocks at Flat Rock down at Ballina. I mean, what? The journey those things went on. Uh, sadly, the I think the D-Bar cow got shot, so it survived the all-time great fucking journey of a lifetime for any bovine uh, and then comes to uh, grief like so many at the end of a uh, of a of a rifle. Yeah. Oh this this uh this border this, town. this bull has a mild case of PTSD. Let's uh shoot it in the head. I thought I thought they should have put it in a in a paddock, called him Clancy of the Overflow and just he should have been a monument to the resilience and survival for all people affected by the That's flame. right. Let's see a bronze statue of this bull with a shotgun pointed at its forehead just as a reminder <laughs> of all that is great about um, our culture. But some fucking like, you know, always there's remarkable stories in uh, in all of this. Uh, one of the crazy things, and um, Louie, we might pull you in here. Ain't, ain't that swell sound extraordinaire? Uh, you were one of the first on the scene for the cleanup, mate, uh, when things were pretty sloppy and wet out there. But... Yeah, there's, there's all these little fucking things that just sort of wash up. Uh, on, Wilco uh, took a photo of a washing machine three stories up in power lines. Yeah. I saw uh, some pretty radical shit hanging from trees. Uh, a couple of cows. Like, you know, I'm talking a good fucking 20 foot in the air just in the forks of, of branches on the streets of Lismore. Crazy shit. And uh, it's worth mentioning too, like – the flood affected area is basically the home of Australian high performance surfing, global high performance surfing. You know, this is the the hometown of Mick Fenning, uh, Joel Parkinson, mm. you know, adopted hometown of Mikey Wright. Uh, you know, Luke Munro, 
um, Nathan Hedge, B Derbage. The list goes on, and every single one of these guys was on the back of a jet ski, whipping around, ripping people from roofs. So, uh, you know, the pro surfing community, the elite pro surfing community, fucking stood up in this like mm. never before, uh, and probably undid you know, generations of bad karma from stuff and cunts in the tube and whatnot. So I didn't know so many friends had boats too. Mm. Just everyone that I knew seemed to be on a boat somewhere, which was just oh, so amazing to see people just, if you had a boat, you were out there. Mm. The Tinny Army, Toby Cregan, yeah. uh, Skeg's front man, yep. surf filmmaker. He was one of the first to put his boat in the water at Mullum. Uh, and it, mate, I'm just naming names, but there was literally a thousand plus of these people. Uh, shout out to Luda and Poochie. My neighbours up on the ridge there, uh, whipping around on the jet ski all around Broadie and Balna. Uh, I think the first thing Luda saw as he come around the bend was just a, a cow getting sucked under in a whirlpool and mm. drowning. Like that was it, it was seriously traumatic the whole thing. But uh, Lou, yeah, you went out to Korokai. That's uh, that's pretty deep, and that was one of the, the worst affected areas. Yeah, it was just oh, it's crazy. Like just even getting there was a mission in itself. You know, going through Lismore and then we had to detour out, sort of all the way around the outskirts to Casino then to get back into Korokai on the one street that wasn't flooded at the time and still going through water to get there. But just the scenery, like you arrive in Lismore and it, it's, you can't even, it's just so overwhelming to even, it's mm. a bomb site. Like it looks like you're in war, helicopters going over the top, fireys, everything around the place. But then, um, yeah, you get out to, we got out to Korokai and it was, just it was like it was day one a week later than everywhere else and mm. it was just yeah we couldn't really comprehend what was going on once all the main roads just filled with cars because there's nowhere to park because it's underwater um and yeah it was just it was crazy <laughs> absolute crazy mm. it was just the wildest scenes to see and i mean the community spirit was just amazing yeah people just chipping in as what you guys were saying like just randoms, people coming from everywhere, just turning up. Don't You don't know them, probably didn't even get their names and then they're just like ripping things out of houses and then they're on to the next house. And by the end of the day, you see them halfway down the street and you're just like, wow. Mm. Like they're just the community randoms coming in, helping out. That I think special mention to that Lennox Balliner crowd, they fucking mobilized a huge crew well, of Lennox dudes. Lennox boys are good. You know, they... Mm. they they basically all agree. They they made a pack together to take off uh, X amount of days, and they fucking ripped in. And by like well, I don't know day four, whatever it was, they were like a well-oiled machine. It was bizarre, you know, the efficiency with which they were working at. Uh, you know, ex-pro footballers in the mix there: Beric Barnes, uh, you know, James Wood, Taipan, the mm. uh, you know, former world junior champ, surf coach, and just a, a thousand fucking other working-class brutes. Uh, you know just acting out of pure goodwill and selflessness. And, you know, I mucked in with them for a couple of days there. And uh, yeah, it was a joy to work alongside, you know, just fucking good people. But, you know, a, a kind of a, a class of people who, who cop such a hiding from the woke kind of snowflake crew. And he, here we had, you know, just, uh, you know, these so-called, uh, you know, the toxic masculinity, the, the white working class just... Uh, fully tapping into Buddha nature, Christ consciousness, whatever you want to call mm. it, just doing such an incredible job. So uh, congrats to all those, all those guys. Everyone from Byron, from, uh, you know, the, the non-flood affected areas, the whole region, uh, it just didn't matter. People were ripping in, as you said, Louis. Yeah. I, I think uh, a, a massive shout out to every single person who fucking rolled up sleeves and got a bit of shit on their shoes. It was just... Uh, it was it was inspiring, Smith. And, you know, we talk about the surf community. That was awesome to see. You know, so many surfers didn't matter from from where or what beach or whatever. But it was bigger than that. It was actually just the fucking people of the regions. And it was the fucking human community, man, because they were coming from everywhere and they wanted to help and they wanted to make a difference and they did. And uh, that cleanup is ongoing, mate. Uh, there's still... Plenty you can do, plenty of places to, uh, you know, throw a bit of coin if, if, if that's the best you can uh, manage because of your scenario, whether you're uh, too far away or just not able to sort of uh, get it, get in here and, and uh, you know, chip in physically. But there's still a lot of rebuilding. There's still a lot of cleaning. There's mate. still houses out there, mate, that fucking can't even be accessed still right now. This mm. is, uh, you know, a long time after. So just just stay on top of it and, um, 
And keep caring because yeah. that's what's been the fucking the biggest joy out of this whole thing. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, down at Wardell, we, we've kicked off our little workers club there. So we'll be meeting, you know, once a week and just seeing what needs doing in the community, whether it's, um, you know, cleaning people's houses, uh, you know, the power of fucking 10 tradesmen in one crew. Like mm. the shit you can accomplish in a day is mind melting. Um, so I encourage all the other town halls and, and communities to kick off something similar and create a, a kind of, you know, I look at um, the work someone like Mega Samadhi does in Bali on the book it there. This is exactly what they do. Mm. He goes around, um, you know, he's a priest in training. He, he mobilizes all the grommets. They go around cleaning up trash, um, attending to sewage infrastructure, just whatever needs doing in the community. Um, you know, and that's centuries old wisdom and work ethic. And I think, uh, you know, it's time for us to take a leaf out of, the book of some of these uh, older cultures that we've spent time in and, and yeah, just, uh, you know, fuck man, this capitalist fucking, whatever you call this horse shit that we live under, it's just, it's failing bad. And, um, it's up to us to turn around. Don't wait for politicians to do it. They're fucking useless parasites. Hopefully you can keep it going. The community spirit too. Like, I mean, it doesn't need to just be a flood, but like, as you are saying, you mm. see an old mate by himself looking like he needs help. We could do that all the time, you know? Like, if you see an old bloke down the street, especially in those communities, there's a lot of people on their own that are just, like, without a flood, already struggling. So, you know, with the light of what's just happened, if you see someone that needs some help and you got the time, stop in, say, hey, do you need a hand? Well said, and, Louis. And, uh, yeah, tag us, uh, you know, if you've got a little worker crew going on, a little workers club, whether it's, yeah. uh, you know, North Shelley's Workers Club or fucking Manly Workers Club or Bondi or Maroubra Workers Club, you know, tag us in there and we'll um we'll shout you out and send some fucking merch or whatever we can spare your way. But uh yeah, let's just create uh let's let's harness this momentum and goodwill and, and put it to some benevolent ends. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. 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 You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me? Are 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 you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? 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 You have got to be fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me?